Hello everyone and welcome to season 3 of the Global Career Schools podcast from the University of London Career Service. In this season, listening to stimulating careers conversations between a member of our team and professionals working in a range of sectors based across the globe. Join us as we speak to those alumni that embarked on a variety of careers journey. Welcome to this episode of our Global Career Schools podcast, where our career consultant Gemma Garrett is in conversation with Jordi Lai, legal associate specializing in intellectual property law in Malaysia. Jordi graduated with a Bachelor's of Law at the University of London in 2016 and will share with you some insightful tips based on his personal experience delving into the Malaysian legal market. Using personal anecdotes, he will describe a typical day in his professional life, how to find your specialism as a lawyer amongst a great variety of legal areas, how to use your network to guide your career choice, and the importance of peer-to-peer learning through debates. We hope you enjoy the call. Hi, Jordi, and welcome to our Global Careers Calls podcast. How are you today? Yeah, I'm good. So far, I need to thank you, University of London Career Services, in organizing all this. And most importantly, thank you for inviting me as one of the guest speakers for this podcast. Oh, Jordi, thank you very much for your time. I'm really delighted to have you for the episode today. So I know you are joining us from Malaysia, where many of our current law students are also based. And that when you studied with us, you were a career starter. So you were at an early stage in your career journey. And you're working now as a legal associate. You're working in intellectual property. Just wondered if you could give us a bit of an insight into your journey from when you were studying with us at the University of London to the current role that you have now. All right. Uh, I'll start off with like seven years back then. I graduated with a Bachelor of Law degrees for the program from the University of London in 2016 and then further down the road I have obtained a certificate in legal practice which is also known as a Malaysian bar examination and I was admitted to the Malaysian bar in 2019. So after I admitted I think I took a gap year which I for I mean I was I taken up a working holiday visa in New Zealand so I was there for like six months to one years so today I started my law journey. I completed my pupilage. In other words, it's like an internship. It's a requisite requirement for every lawyer in Malaysia. We need to complete a nine months tutelage under one of our master. So I was at law firm, go after the name by Messiah Josephine L.K. Chow and Co. And I was under the tutelage of Miss Cindy Chow. So moving forwards and now I'm currently in my fourth year practice and attached to the IP department in Messiah's shooting and book. So, yeah, this is my very short summarized version of my journey. Yeah, that's great. Thank you for sharing that, Geordie. And can you maybe tell us a little bit more about that pupillage experience that you had, maybe what you learned there and what made you think you wanted to specialize in IP law? Okay. I would say my favorite topic in law since the URL will be the intellectual property law. Mm-hmm. And enjoy reading and doing IP for now because it's, I think that it's very interesting to see things like new intellectual creation and to be like forefront of the intellectual creations. Somehow it protects one's ability to survive and thrive while mm-hmm. also restricting the ways in which it can be abused to amass 
wealth. So I enjoy understanding the background of this intellectual creation and their associated risks of being misused. But more importantly, I think it's the coming up with the legal solution to mitigate this risk, which made me to choose to specialize in all this. And then all in all, I mean, like I derive a sense of fulfillment by helping the clients to achieve their goals, like to get to do it in a way that appeals to me. And then ultimately, I would say assisting clients, IP litigation, registration enforcement is very rewarding. That's why that's the reason why I choose to specialize in IP law and also at the same time motivated me to work in this sector. Great. Thank you. And you mentioned that you're in your fourth year now at Shook, Lin and Bock. I just wondered if you could tell us a little bit more about your time there and some of the things that you've done and some of your achievements. Okay, all right. Sure. I will start with the typical day here. And also every morning, I mean, like I, I already throughout the years of practice, I kept a habit to create an Excel sheet for all of my current ongoing matters. My work is really dependent on the day. So the day I will use it to go through the Excel sheet to see that I wish the matter that I need to do a follow-up to the client in terms of their replies, in terms of my client employer's further instruction and my further colleagues' review and input on the matter. And further to that, I will check my email inbox. Yeah, I mean, like, it's pretty normal to everyone on that. <laughs> so, yeah, for the email, right, I will go through one by one. That's where I start to delegate and assign my work. Because I'm very fortunate to have my own secretary and also clerks to assist on my work. Like, let's say, for example, if there's some registration file that's involved of some filling out of the form, you know, the, which is required by the Malaysian Trademark Office. So I was assigned to them to ask them to help me to open a file, to prepare the form for me to check later on. So after I assigned all the work to them, I will start out with my own to focus on the main work of the day, the very substantial work which is involved of the drafting of the legal advice, mm-hmm. issuance of cease and desist letter, litigation work-wise, I will start to prepare some cost paper, which is like the Norwich Summons Statement of Claim, to be able to give client a brief review on what we do and get yeah. their approval for us to file, file it in court. So this would take up like maybe three to four hours of my morning time, which we go to, which by the time when I finish all this, it will be in the afternoon. So yeah. during the afternoon itself, I need to go through that. That's where the secretary and clerks, they will send me all of their works. So I'll need to check through one by one to make sure like everything is ordered the correct details, description, and also the substantive advice or what to see whether is it in line with the client instruction. And then, of course, I will continue the morning session of drafting legal advice because it would take up a considerable amount of my time mm-hmm. to come up with a very solid framework, the drafting, to, to check all this spelling, to make sure the idea is conveyed in a very proper order so that the client will able to really understand it within the shortest amount of time possible. So that when it comes to the evening, every time we draft a legal advice, it's very essential for us to come up with a research as well. So re- research the way, uh, research-wise, we are focus more on the case law. So the latest case law itself, which they will give me some latest case, I would say the latest position in Malaysia, like how this IP judges has been like decided on this issue whether this decision 
will change the structure, the way how I drafted the legal advice. So I just, it's like, it's a supplementary to my legal advice and a CND letter to make it more proper and to convince the client that you are at the good hands and we are managed to the instruction for you. We help you to win your case. We help you to defend your claims. So further down, evening time, I think most of the time I will just update the Excel sheet that I always have a look in the morning. So I'll update one by one and then I will start to prepare what's the next day to do list. So this is basically a typical day in my current role. Yeah, so um, Jordi, it'd be brilliant if within the respecting the sort of confidentiality protocols that I appreciate, you must have to operate within. Um, I just wondered if you could tell us a bit more about an exciting case or a project that you've recently worked on, just to give us a bit more, I suppose, to bring it to life, some of the projects that you work on as well. But yeah, thank you for that description of a typical day. That's really helpful insight into what it is like on a day-to-day basis as an IP lawyer in Malaysia. All right. As for the recent work experience achievement, that particularly uh, exciting case, uh, I'll give you guys some reflects on what is it about. So one of my main few is to do the IP enforcement. So IP enforcement wise, it's like we need to like conduct private investigative report, background check on the target, pretext call, and then meeting with the officer from the MDTCA, which is the Ministry of Domestic Trade Consumer Affairs. And then we will carry out the rate. So basically what we do here, in other words, is that we execute our client's enforcement strategy against the counterfeit. For example, like we engage in the pre-enforcement investigation and we ensure the viability of the rates. So, so our clients has a product, has managed to secure a PR report from one of the countries <laughs> that the, someone else is using their name to come up with a confusingly similar trademark on their product. Right, yeah. So for the clarity purpose, our client, I will be named the A, product A and product B. Yeah. Okay. So this product B, the producer itself, they created this brand which is very phonetically similar. I'll use Lion as an example. Lion is is one of the oral hygiene products. So someone created Instead of lion, they use the words like lion, L-I-E-N instead of L-I-O-N. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. When our client found out something like this, they decided to execute their enforcement strategy, which is they instructed us to stop the container from coming from one of the countries into Malaysia. So they got this, like the PI report and stuff ready that, you know, at which date the, this counterfeit is entering to Malaysia. And then they want us to stop before they enter into the market. So because it's involved of the shipment on country C or to country D, which is Malaysia. When it comes to this, right, we normally we need to involve different, I would say, uh, relevant enforcement agencies. So for now, it's like the first step that we need to do is to apply a thing called registrar verification. You just need to raise your complaint with the Ministry of Domestic Trade and Consumer Affairs, then they will allow you to go in. This is the first stage that we need to go through. It's like we need to convince them, the Malaysian Trademark Office, to grant us of this. What is it about? This is some a document to say that these two products, A and B, is very convincingly similar and to the extent that this product B is infringing our client's A IP rights. That fast. So client instruction just came out 
a day before they told us that, that we need to stop the container from coming in the next day. So it wow. was very, yeah. <laughs> and the tight turnaround. <laughs> yeah, the sense of urgency is very there. So because we need to work with like a total three different relevant enforcement agency to get this work done. It's not easy. So the, I would say it's really exciting case because you are running a short time. So of course, obviously the stress is there. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the client side. And then we are now working together. It's not trying to like instruct others to, to work for us. You mm-hmm. need to in the very nice way or appealing way to manage to convince them, to persuade them. Why not? We just, we don't have, because this matter, we need to be cooperate between so many different agencies. Mm-hmm. So we need everyone to be on the same page. To say that why not we just do go according to the procedure which I suggested. So we get the RV, we will wait for you, we will wait for you. But now we just stop it for entering Malaysia. So I mean like I'm very fortunate to able to inspect the container on time. And then to rate the counterfeit product. So client's happy. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Employees, everyone is happy. <laughs> yeah, so it's a really exciting cases for me. Uh, because it's like I got the opportunity like, to coordinate between them. Like we are the basically the middle person for all of the relevant enforcement agency. And the enforcement agency itself. <laughs> great. Uh, thanks, Tony. Gosh, that does sound exciting. And also a really great example of how sometimes you just have to respond to a very short deadline and make that a real matter of urgency. And it sounds like as well having those good relationships and those ways of working with the different agencies that you need to collaborate with in order to make that happen at such a short space of time as well. So it does sound exciting and quite, yeah, like a real under pressure (laughs) example as well. So thinking about your career so far, do you think there has been anything in particular that's helped you to succeed in your chosen career path? So for example, either things from your studies or things that you might have done outside of your studies as well that really helped you take those steps towards where you are now. These are the examples that we just given just now. So I think there are two of the things that helped me most. So the number one would be the internship also yeah. work experience and also the networking opportunities. So just these three, like I'll start on these three. So the, I managed to take out my internship during the summer break for the UI standard program. Three months time, it's like good for me to take up a few various positions to be determined as legal interns in these two law firms in Johor. So when I was in the law firm, these two law firms, I managed to set the path that I wanted to focus more. For example, like the law firm A, they are focused more on the conveniencing side. So they're dealing with property, sales and purchase, sub-sale, company loan and stuff like that. So basically in this firm, I just learned what is it about this field? What's the paperwork they require for me to remember? What's the, the... SOP for dealing with bankers and stuff. This is the law firm A, which I learned. And then yeah. law firm E, so when I took the internship, I focused more on the litigation side. So I followed uh, my ex-employers to the court to see how the way he chaired the hearing, to cross-examine the witness and stuff like that. So for this two, I've set myself to say that, that actually I'm more interested for the litigation. I get to appear before the court 
to put my ideas into words, to come up with a litigation advice, to phrase my question mm-hmm. so that we can come up with a very firm direction on how should we move on their case, our client case. So these two internship has, has helped me not to say succeed, but to help me set a base work for like in the next few years, what am I going to do after I graduated from the University of London program? Sounds like they were really valuable experiences, both in terms of um, yes. developing your understanding of the legal sector, but also in terms of helping you decide on the direction that you wanted to go in more down the litigation route. And I think it's really important advice around sometimes taking that time to experiment and test out your ideas and try different things so that you can reflect and compare experiences when you are thinking about what next steps to take in terms of your career. So yeah, yeah, thank you very much for sharing that. Sorry, were you going to add something else, Geordie? I get some networking opportunities to join a Malaysian bar committee. Uh, what is it about? So we got like a convincing committee. We got like legal profession committee. We got like this young lawyers and pupil committee. So all this kind of committee is built mm-hmm. on the area that you want to specialize in. So from there, I think that's where I decided and make my decision to go on the IP, to specialize in IP. This is also part of the process. So I join this IP committee. So inside the committee, we get to choose three bar committee from all of the list. So I'm glad that I choose these three, which is the IP committee, legal profession yeah. committee, and national young lawyers and people committees. Here is where I meet my peers, even my learned friends, my learned sister, learned brother. Yeah. Uh, so we do a monthly meeting. So, okay, so I think last year or the two years back during the COVID time, we managed to organize an online uh, IP advocacy event, which is, we call it a bar war. So when I was a committee member, I got the opportunity to work with my seniors, which is, I mean, like maybe 20 years in the practice, which of it is my current boss. Great. Employer. So it's my first time meeting them there. So the opportunity has offered me opportunity to learn from them the way how they convey their idea, how they discuss things, how they drafted the material in order to get those participants to be benefited from it, from the civil IP advocacy course. So I'm also fortunate to lead a group of the participants from there. Some of them, they might have more PQE, which is the post-qualification experience. So some of them might have in their 15, 10 years, 15 years. It, I got the opportunity to speak to them in this case. Because we the Bauer event itself, we are focused on a case law, which mm. is fiction. Which is like, we create a story. So yeah. for example, A, we're able to sue B for a this IP infringement case. So from there, we move on to, to discuss, to lead my group on a discussion on uh, what's the good facts and also the bad facts about the case. And then after that, we exchange ideas and stuff like that. So it's a very fruitful discussion between them. That's where I get to learn from the IP committee. So the last one will be the National Young Lawyers and Pupil Committees, which I think the one is more of the social kind of committee. The reason I term it as social because we have this thing called a monthly gathering. Each other, let's say a Friday night out, a Saturday night out, 
So we are just sit there, just chit chat, and then we have dinner together, just share our issue that we face in the workplace. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. So from there, these three committees have really built me somehow to make me more firm on the I'm going at the right track. That I'm not wrong. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, yeah. Of course, I'm, I knew what I'm doing, what I'm currently doing, do is right, and I'll keep on continuing doing that. Yeah. No. That's great. And I think, yeah, that having those opportunities to engage in different ways to really confirm our career paths and is really important. And I think what's really nice, Jordi, when you were describing those three different committees, it sounds like you were able to draw different things from the different committees, from the opportunity to work with people that were more senior and network with them and learn from them to the opportunity to look at case studies together and collaborate around the problem-solving elements with different lawyers and trainees as well, to having some peer-to-peer support with the junior lawyers so that you can manage what is can be quite a stressful and pressured role as well. So it sounds like you were able to draw different elements from those different committees in supporting you in your career and your decision-making as well. Yeah, you're right. I mean, like it's a very fruitful experience from joining all this committee yeah. and stuff and I'm blessed that I have this kind of opportunity that helps me to grow along my career path yeah Absolutely. even though I'm new still yeah. I'm still continuing growing yeah uh, yeah and I think that's such an important point we're all still learning in our careers so yeah I was gonna ask Geordie they sound like fantastic opportunities the internships and the committees how did you find out about those and how did you get involved uh, all right I would like to thank a friend or well, ex-colleagues He's the one that intro me about this committee thingy. So, I mean, thanks to him because he was like, why not? Because I think he see myself, see that I'm the very extrovert to mingle with people, to talk to them. So mm-hmm. that's where then he explained to me, why not we just both of us just sign up the same committee that we want to, we are interested in. So yeah. it happened that we had the same common interest in this three committee. And for the internship as well, it's because of my family friends, which they recommend me since you are taking this path, why not you just join them and then to try it out to see whether is it your real interest? Yeah, brilliant. Thank you. It sounds like great that you really used your networks to your full advantage, but also it sounds like almost you had a mental figure in your colleague that helped you see the opportunities with the committees as well, which is brilliant. Jordi, I wanted to ask you about some of the skills perhaps that you got from your University of London degree. So you mentioned in some of the examples you provided, it sounds like there was quite an element of communication and collaboration and problem solving that you use regularly in your job. Mm. I just wondered if you could tell us a little bit about your University of London degree and how that helped you develop some of those skills Mm. as you were studying the programme. Sure. Well, to go the program right itself, I realized that, that the thing that helped me the most is the material they provide by the University of London. Everything is just inside the material, the research that we need to look through, the case law on point, the yeah. CD. I know back then there's still CDs. Yeah, before we upgrade the online resources that they provided to me, I took to the initiative to do mm-hmm. it back through all the resources platform because I found that the fundamental itself I learned a lot of things that you know it's not only inside a book it make me it will make me think outside the box what mm. can I do how can I 
phrase my thoughts on that. How do I structure my question? And of course, this is one of the things which they train me. The first thing that I learned the most is how to manage my time. Because there's like, of course, there's a time period for you to prepare before the examination came on. I realized that it's not really like you just have to burn midnight oil at the very end of the stage when the exam is approaching. Yeah. But manage our time to plan ahead to like consistent study a little bit by a little bit. Yeah. To learn a little bit by a little bit to make a research, to come up with our own the summarized version of it. So, you know. It helps me to manage my time very well so I can plan ahead and know today what I'm going to do next day. After a reading days, what should I do? So somehow yeah. it trained my discipline as well. To come up with a plan, a study plan, like, okay, do you know, on this week, what I'm going to finish, next week, what I'm going to finish, which is like, it helps me a lot because like moving into today's, my current career, because as an IP lawyer, the statue itself, the reference book, the case law yeah. itself are like the Bible for us. So if like it's very main material, the answer is just inside it. You just have to yeah. take the initiative and read it and go it through. And then somehow you understand everything. If you didn't understand at the first, you just keep on repeating the same. Eventually you, I mean like you will get onto your mind instead of just like more kind of like spoon feeding that kind of method. It teach me that, that it's not necessary for a lot of you students it's not necessary that, that you have to memorize everything, like word by word. It's more about how you structure your thoughts and then how you answer the question in the way that, that you use your own words, you put your ideas into words. Yeah. Brilliant. Thanks for sharing that, Jordi. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of valuable skills in terms of that kind of the independent thought process and thinking outside the box, as you say, but really kind of teaching you to engage with that subject matter on quite a deep level and then be able to formulate it and articulate it and in different ways as well so thank you for sharing that um i'd like to ask just as one of my closing questions what one piece of advice would you give to our students who are looking to start or perhaps move into a career in intellectual property law I see. Well, for those who want to start out moving into this field, right? I would say that uh, once you make the judgment call on that, just set your phone in, focus and don't give up. Because <laughs> you will never know, I mean, what happened down, I mean, like two years or five years, ten years down the road, right? It's like, you don't really know what will happen next. It's very mm -hmm. impossible to predict and then you don't have like nearly as much control over that as you probably imagine. So I would say, like, you know, I just don't have any expectation about what your career will look like. Look like, just focus on it. Just do. So for those, of course, for the UL student itself, one of the most important is like just to get your good grade for UL program because one of the necessary components for a top tier firm will be just basically summarizing these two. One is the high GPA, which is the high grade that you get from your university degree. And the second one is like the, which is the eventual, a more important one, which is well-performed interview. Yeah, mm -hmm. right. So just right. keep on, yeah. right. I just keep on practice, get good at the job interviews and mm. practice mirror and stuff. Because during interviews, right, it's the most essential time that you will present yourself in the shortest way possible, in a very summarized way of who you are and what you want and why are you here for the interview. So they only have like limited amount of times to understand who you are. 
just to recap what I have said, don't have any expectation about what your career will look like. Don't give up. Third is like practice, get your good grades and get good at job interviews. And last but not least, it's like one, you have to like move into this IP law sector. I will just give a general advice um, because when you come to this law fields, right, there will be a lot of active fast going on. So be organized. Try just keep a to-do list because somehow we are humans. We make mistakes and we will miss the deadline and stuff. Because the, but we can't really allow this to happen because deadline is very crucial for the client. So all in all, once you are in this field, because you are still new, so your work might not be up to the standard. And then you have to, the criticism and feedback on your work is, is very normal. I've got the same stage stages that you guys might have gone through. Just take it to the brain, not the heart. Yeah. Oh, that's great advice. Thank you so much, Geordie. And I think that point that you made at the end is all about the constructive criticism, seeing it in a positive way as an opportunity right. to learn yeah. rather than taking it personally. And as you said, everybody yeah. goes through that process of needing to learn and improve. And it's part of our continuous development as well. So thank you for that advice. Really valuable advice for our current students. So thank you very much. Geordie, for somebody that wants to start out in this particular actor, hmm. what do you think are some of the important skills that they need to develop? Okay, based on my experience, the main two things they need to master is the drafting skill and also the interpersonal skill. The reason why it's drafting skill is like because you need to learn to put your ideas into words. Throughout the journey, I managed to, I find this ability very important. It's like to leverage on your language, write words, and explain yourself in very simple and plain words. Because not everyone will understand like the legal jargon that we use in, in our daily work. Because yeah. those, those uh, the, the layman itself, they won't be able to understand if you're trying to use these words to, to explain to them. So under this jargon, this all these terms. So... You have to master your way to, to put into a simple words that manage to explain to the client, explain to your colleagues, explain to your current employers. And this somehow links to the second skill, which is the interpersonal skill. So when you communicate with others, it's not necessary only through emails. Sometimes you need to speak like face to the client. How does the client's, uh, what was the personality of the client? Is it more on the business man kind of mentality or they got a law degree so they do understand what we're trying to explain to them you have to give it a thought before you do all this and somehow learn that what kind of thing they will prefer to hear from you is it like a summarized version or they are focused more on the current case law like the point that you argue or they just want you to answer a very few simple questions from them because they have read everything in advance so mm -hmm. this is how something to which I find that the, actually the important one is the drafting and also the interpersonal skill. Yep, this is the two of the skills that you will need to master if you plan to enter into this field. Yep. Yeah, thank you, Jordi, for that. Yeah, they sound like two really important skills in different ways and really nice the way you unpack how you mm. use, need to use those interpersonal skills as well in terms of really gauging the other person's mood, but also having a really clear insight into what they want and what they want at a particular time as well. And that 
those really advanced communication skills to be able to simplify some of the really complex jargon that you are dealing with on, on the legal side as well and put that into very much putting your audience in mind and thinking about their needs in terms of how you can explain it to them and the level of detail and speciality that you can use. I just had one last question. You've had a really successful career so far, which is fantastic. Um, but I just wondered if you'd faced any setbacks in your career so far, and if so, how you managed them at the time and what you learned from them. Yeah, I would say my answer is like, yes, of course, I went through a few setbacks. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, it's a prerequisite for you to do this chambering, which is under the population of another master. Yeah. So I started off on this litigation field. My chambering, I mean, like my chambering as for litigation, which is under my master. Um, I got burnt out. <laughs> yeah. Like, this, uh, litigation-wise, it's really about the issue, what current issue is facing by the client. So somehow, you need to find case law to supplement your argument. Yeah. This, I mean, like, this is the one of the hardest, not hardest setbacks. Like, it's one of setbacks that <laughs> I feel like I hardly... I almost like give up on this career, but I'm grateful that I would just hang in there. Because I think the reason why I got burned out is my research skill is not that good enough to be able to be find a case law that is suitable to supplement the points that put forward by my ex-employers. Uh, the, the reason I burn out is like because of, I mentioned before, it's like this constructive criticism and stuff like that. I find it very personal when they when she's trying to give me some constructive criticism on that feedback. So that's where I learned about the thing is called take it to your brain, not your heart. It's because it tells you that if you can't really deliver a good research to your senior or your current employer and stuff like that, you are like trying to... The reason why they get you in the team is to assist them on that to make sure the case. So each of us has different scope of work. Okay, when you come out with the research point and then I will drop, I will start the supplement if it can, because sometimes not every case law will be fit inside the arguments. I'm grateful that I didn't give up because from the setback itself, I understand that they, actually not every area of law will be suitable for you, but anyhow, eventually you will find one. Yep. Yeah. Thanks, Jolie. That's great advice around sort of not giving up. And I love that phrase that you use, take it to your brain, not your yeah. heart, when you're getting that constructive criticism. So not taking it personally, but really using it as a learning experience. So thank you for sharing that and that yeah. overarching message not to give up. So yeah. we all face setbacks in our careers and it can make us question our direction, but not to give up, just to keep going and keep trying and knowing that we will find our path and the right specialism so thank you fantastic advice for our students yeah right. great thank you so much Jordi you're welcome so Gemma thanks for your time yeah, I, think, I believe that this is a very fruitful podcast session yeah. uh, it's my first time doing it I hope it helps yeah thank you so much it's been a real <laughs> pleasure to meet you you take care and best yeah. of luck with everything bye you bye this was the third season of the Global Career Schools podcast brought to you by the University of London Career Service, this time devoted to the law sector. 
You can find our episodes on your favorite streaming platform, including ACAS, Spotify, Amazon Music, and Apple Podcasts, and many more. All links and resources are in the episode notes. This episode was presented by Gemma Garrett and edited and introduced by Bush Rajan. We'll publish more episodes in the following weeks with some inspiring stories from our global graduate cohort. So please subscribe. Thank you for listening and join us next time for a new global careers call. Cool.